Black Girl Known promotes holistic wellness and inner beauty for women of color. We encourage self-care, self-love, and self-empowerment for communities of color. Hey, y'all, it's Lauren Ash and Dion Ivory. And thanks so much for listening to the Black Girl Known Podcast. Also, congrats on the essence. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> so excited. So. I would I would be too. Shoot. Y'all <laughs> just out here glistening and glowing and mm. We are. It's crazy. I mean, I see it and I feel like I'm like, wow, that's me. But like I don't feel like I don't know. It's so weird. It's always a disconnect when I'm looking at myself yep. on something like on a huge platform of some some kind. I'm like Yes. That's, it's like never it's incredible, quite real. but it's just yes. it's just like all of the hours and days and minutes and weeks and months of and years of your lives that you've really been working dedicated consistently to cultivating something that has really grown and blessed people in a lot of ways. Yeah. So and this is why we need people like you around us affirming <laughs> and, <laughs> and getting us to yes. pause and focus on the moment. Because it's not like we're not, but it's just like, you know it's like though? the day that it happens, then we get another email right. about something else <laughs> that's fly and pop in. So it's like, it's kind of just like an on to the next, like yay and on to the next, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like someone said it, or maybe you guys said it in one of your episodes. It's just talking about like taking the time to actually celebrate yourself. That was a, because <laughs> we talk about that all the, all time. the time. Exactly. Yeah. But I think that's so important because you're just like, wow, look at this thing. And then, you know, like then that's it and or people like it's just weird or like people want things from you now that like they see they see that they're that's like let me get this definitely or like that's happening. that's what it was like after because the decision was made not to sell the stay woke tees on the essence woke 100 last may but on twitter even some of the women on the cover were just like tweeting the gloss account like this is who made the shirts and i'm like but they're not for sale and so it's just like weeks of like having to reply and be like these t-shirts were not for sale there's only 36 that were ever made and like ah so yeah i feel it wow yep anywho congrats thank (laughs) you (laughs) yeah so let's get into it we're here today with randy gloss (laughs) of gloss rags um and as you all just heard, we were just boosting each other, a little of sister, course. sister uplift moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> gassing session, which is always needed. You yeah. know. <laughs> but we're excited to have you um, with us, Randy, because of many things. I would say one, um, our platform exists to really affirm the necessity of wellness, particularly for black women and the question is always then, what do we need wellness for? What do we need healing for, right? Right. And Mm -hmm. for so many of us, the very real impact of trauma, both trauma trauma that has been passed down from generations prior to our existence on this earth, but also trauma that we face in our everyday lives. Um, You know, violences of so many kinds. Yeah. against us and against our loved ones. And through your work, you really shed light on honoring people who have died, been killed Mm. um, because of violence, often at the hands of police. 
um, and just legacy and, and remembering like this, this person's life was lost, but it's up to us to really sh like shine light on the reasons for why rather mm -hmm. than pretending like mm -hmm. it's just happening accidentally. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which a lot of people like to pretend. Um, and also really getting us then educating and, and and having conversations with one another about, all right, how can we actually like critically examine this and ultimately dismantle it? Yeah, that's beautiful. Definitely. <sighs> I just had to take a deep breath after that. <laughs> yeah. We just wanted to get yeah. right into it because we need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember a few months ago, one of our... Um, Topics that we were exploring all month on Black Girl Gnome was what it means to be woke and well. Ah. Mm. And I feel like your work connects so deeply with that, you know, mm -hmm. like in the commemoration and in the honoring and remembering, how can we also find um, find necessary space for us to breathe and release and heal? Yeah. I think that um, it's interesting to see just even like in a short, you know, three, four year stance or period um, is like what becomes colloquial and what becomes commodified and what becomes commonplace. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like this notion of woke has been become maybe like all three of those things, yeah. perhaps the least like mm, commonplace, but as far as making woke a commodity, I think that we've seen it pop up in, you know, in pop culture. Like they had the woke app that was in um, the first season of, or maybe it was the second season of Dear White People. Uh, um, yeah. And there's shirts that say stay woke and I make garments that stay woke, but they have something that I feel sort of ties them down to our ancestors, which is the... It's two overlapping diamonds that symbolize handcuffs. And um, it's a West African and Dinkra symbol, Ipa, called Ipa. And it says you are a slave to whoever's handcuffs you're wearing. And that's a West African, a Tui proverb. Wow. And so I really try not to, I don't ever print Stay Woke without the Ipa symbol. Um, because to me, that is where the value and the substance comes from mm -hmm. versus just placing text on a, on a garment and printing it. Um, and then I think that like, it's just like become a phrase that we, that we or, or folks just like throw around, oh yeah, so-and-so, so woke, but like, what does that actually mean? Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that with ourselves even, it's like self-examination I think is incredibly important. Um, and I think that also, cause I feel like we can become enslaved to cycles and little masters within our own lives and i think that that um whether it's social media or craving someone's attention or you know pursuing a certain goal just relentlessly to the fact that we kind of like lose touch with ourselves. um and then i also think that like part of the woke which some of my awakening especially within probably like the past year or so is that you know i found i'm like i make i have been making all of these shirts and these lists that have been growing longer and longer since 2014 when we just started out with six names and 
then I started to think, and I think it was in particular spending time um, where Freddie Gray lived and where he was from in his neighborhood, that made me realize that there's, like you mentioned, there's just so much trauma within our own communities. Yeah. And we carry our so much trauma within an individual body, right? And so what about the black bodies that are being lost and taken by other black bodies? And what about that type of healing, you know? Um, and so I've been sort of shifting my focus to think about how that can be dealt with. And like, you know, the goal is not necessarily to, to figure out once I figure that out to put it on a shirt, but to figure out how I can address that type of healing and address that type of trauma that I think desperately needs to occur within our own neighborhoods. And I think that that's something that I really applaud um, Stevante Clark for. Um, Stefan Clark's brother is that he's not just talking about his brother's life who was taken by police, but he's also talking about the violence that is very present within black communities and communities of color within Sacramento. Mm. And I think that that level of awareness is so key. And I think that this honestly might be one of the first time that I can recall that someone has not only been like, let's not just zoom in on police brutality, let's zoom out to a larger issue of gun violence, but of black on black violence. I think that that conversation has been avoided um, very intentionally in the conversations that we've been having recently and in the past few years. And I even myself remember, you know, raising that question um, to the Congressional Black Caucus at a at a sort of like an open forum a few years back, and it was very much avoided. Um, so I, I've been thinking, yeah, just a lot about what it means for us to heal ourselves and how we can heal ourselves and figuring out like, what are those, like, what does it mean to be awake to our own traumas, right? And to face those things that we ourselves are avoiding on an everyday basis because it's painful, because it makes us cringe and shudder, you know, because we don't want to face who it might be, be it a family member or someone we do love, but that person who's inflicted trauma upon our, you know, upon us and, and what that looks like and feels like. So definitely been in a very like kind of cerebral, reflective space and, and trying to figure like all of those things out. That's so interesting. First of all, I loved everything you say you said, um, especially about like the intentional like um, the intentionality behind not discussing the black on black crime because um, well, I mean, I, like I feel like at one point it was a very a con conversation that was being had all the time. Um, but you know, here recently within the past few years, <clears throat> we've been obviously highlighting like, black lives being taken at the hands of white men <clears throat> due to white supremacy and things like that. Um, but that is a very necessary conversation. It's, it's almost like we tend to forget, like like you were speaking to earlier, like the, the trauma that we inflict upon one another, you know? And so even with the work you do with the t-shirts and things like that, how do you feel like your, what we quote unquote, like what you call it, your wearable activism? How mm -hmm. is that impacting communities of colors? Like when you wear this shirt, like what is it doing to the community to go out and be audacious enough to wear this shirt, collecting more and more names of people who are dying in these communities? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, in some ways, I think it, it, it's a continuation of a culture that was already present in the sense that we have long since memorialized each other 
on textiles. And so like thinking about, you know, iron on t-shirts or airbrush t-shirts that have been worn or created specifically for someone's funeral. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and particularly in communities, our communities that were really entrenched with violence, you know, um, really entrenched with trauma. Like you weren't going, you know, some, some funerals are suits and dresses and all black and other funerals are jeans and t-shirts, you know? Um, and that, the oh, I just got chills. Wow, but that doesn't dictate the value of the life that was lost, you know, so or the validity of the death, yeah, you know. Um, and and so I think that we mourn in different ways, and I think that this this adds to that conversation. Um, and it was an interesting experience. I debated myself when I went to Freddie's funeral whether or not I was going to wear a shirt and mm-hmm. I ended up wearing it. I think I might've put it over top of like an all black shirt that I was wearing. And Amadou's mother noticed and she said, that's my son. Um, wow. And that was, I ran into her in the parking lot after the funeral. And that was just a wild experience because I think in some ways, you know, her son's life was taken in 1999 um and here she is you know almost a decade later showing up for mothers for families who have lost their sons and their daughters Mm -hmm. and what that means to to still know that it's sort of like saying like I see you you know I see your son I see your daughter I see your loss and I see your pain even now and I think that also the visibility and the importance of uplifting names that perhaps are lesser known, like Akai Gurley or Anthony Hill, who was a veteran, um, but also I believe he was bipolar. And so these names that can get glazed over because it happens so often, but also because, you know, in some instances, a family may have more of a capacity to hit the streets to create a foundation um, to really champion in the name of their loved one, their lost loved one and others may not. But that's again, like the, like the validity, I'm not here to argue about the validity of anyone's death or, or anyone's character. The fact is like, this is another black life that was lost. And I think like when we, as a black body wearing a list of black bodies and not just of black bodies, but of lives. And I think that's also like, really important is like to underscore like these were lives like their lives were not the 24 hours the last 24 hours of their life right it was not that and I think that that gets missed so much it's just like yo like <laughs> Sandra had a whole life you know she had a whole blog she had a whole existence a full one at that and so let's talk about that you know let's talk about how Mike Brown graduating from a school district that had basically just been buried as far as from an educational standpoint, um, let's talk about that. You know, um, let's talk about the elements that are not making headlines. Let's talk about those type of things. And I think like when we see each other, it's, it's a, a, another way in the same way that you, you know, you might see a black person walking down the street and you give them a head nod. It's just another way to say, I see you. Mm. And I see, I see this particular part of our collective black experience which is shared even even though like you know I myself have never lost anyone to gun violence however 
I have hurt from these things as well, yeah. you know, and I think it's just saying, I see you and I see this part of our experience that we're all sort of trying to figure out, can we stop this? Can this be slowed down? Um, can this, can we find some time to grieve collectively from this, you know, um, or even like, I see these names and I also see and feel that there's not always words to put to this type of pain or this type of frustration. Thank you. I have a question in thinking about how your work does honor the life, right? Not like it, it's acknowledging, yes, that this person has died and has, uh, has been killed, but let's look at also their life and celebrate that. How do you intentionally make room for um, celebration of life in your, in your life? So, you know, not even thinking about glass racks, but how does this show up for you in your life? Yeah, I think that um, I'm like, I'm still, I lost my grandma in December and I'm still in the process of grieving through that. And uh, one of the things I've been doing to celebrate her life because she was such a lively, fly, hilarious person is that, um, you know, it, it, it tends to follow me to make like the, the photo collage when, when folks pass away in our family, like the, you know, and so... I had scanned in all these pictures. We just had hundreds of pictures of her in her prime and pictures that I had never seen before. Um, and so they scanned them in and then I, you know, I had them on my Google Drive, which is like, oh, I have all these pictures on my phone. And so like usually once a week, if I remember, like I'll post a picture of my grandma um, on Instagram and like that's a part of my grieving process. But it also is just, I find joy in that because I love looking at her I just like put her picture as a background on my phone um, because that like that's just a way to like remember and celebrate her even in her absence. Um, but I also think that like just praising God to like be alive, I think, is a way just to celebrate life because it's like really like it's not um, it's not a small thing to like wake up for another day, and I think that that is. When you think about how many of us are just silently dealing with mental health issues behind closed doors, you know, um, or any number of things, right? Like, I think that waking up is something to celebrate. And so it's like, well, how could, like, how can I laugh today, you know? Or how can I, you know, turn my face to the sun and just close my eyes and let and absorb that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, just small things, because I think sometimes it is, at least for me, I'll speak just for myself. It has been challenging to cultivate a real, like, solid, consistent routine of self-care. Um, but I also think I, I also have been sort of amazed by, like, the, the what intention and, and sort of manifesting things can look like. Because I, I remember I went to um, this event for, for a publication that deals with anxiety and then the event itself for me was incredibly anxiety inducing <laughs> oh wow <laughs> i no. really was like i was wildly uncomfortable and i was yeah i i go places like by myself fairly often and so i was by myself and i'm just like i don't i'm going to cry like <laughs> i haven't felt that way in a long no. time and the person when the the woman was speaking about you know the question always comes up well, what do you do to engage in self-care and she was talking about you know I take baths and I do this and I do that and I was like well I don't even have a bathtub at my current you know in my current living situation but I went somewhere 
I think I went to visit a friend in Colorado maybe the following weekend. And I took out, and there was a bathtub there. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know, I can't remember the last time I took a bath, mm. but the fact that that just sort of that manifested from that me yep. feeling salty about not being able to take. Did you get in it? Did you take one? I I got in it. I totally, I was like, we're supposed to hit the road to drive back to Denver. It's like a two hour drive from where we were in the mountains. And I said, we're not leaving until I take a bath. And I took a bath and it was, it was just great because like that just soaking, right. And being with yourself and your body in the water. And I, water to me is incredibly calming, especially like being immersed in it. And you know, we're, we're like approaching spring, but it's not pool time yet. It's not time to like dip your toes in the ocean just yet or in the bay and so that was that was a a healing experience for me um yeah that's beautiful Deanna and I are literally always talking about baths Mm -hmm. on this on this show (laughs) like I feel like we both use it as a ritual of healing and nourishment yeah and for me you were talking about your grandmother and we've talked about this personally but my grandmother passed away as well and she bathing was like her ritual like my mom has memories of her like of mm. preparing a bath for her when she was young and I have memories of preparing a bath mm-hmm. for her when I was young and she also passed away while taking a bath so for me wow. it's also been a really beautiful ritual that helps me feel more connected with her and mm. I think that is such a, an interesting thing for us to think about how certain rituals that our ancestors did on the regular, mm-hmm. like they did them for a reason. And so we are mm-hmm. supposed to be able to still be cultivating them, not only so that we can find healing and release and restoration, whatever it is that we need, but also as a means of connecting with them. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But that's something absolutely. that I didn't really fully understand until quote unquote, losing my grandmother. And I don't really believe that I lost her. That's why I'm saying that. But, you know, it's just a transfer of energy and just a different kind of existence, I feel like. And we can always tap into that. Yeah, I'd love to, um, like, ask my mom, pick my mom's brain about baths because I remember her just growing up, like, she was a bath taker, you know, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like, you know, bathing. It was like literally like there was something behind that. Like the, that was probably part ritual for her. Mm. Um, and I never got to meet my great grandmother, but that would be very interesting to like to 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 ponder with my mom and ask her about it. I was like, so what, you know, why do you love taking baths? Like, why was that a thing for you? Because I do remember that growing up, you know, but it wasn't like how you get, how she got prepared for the day. She might hop in the shower to do that. That's a very different experience than actually, you know, drawing the water and immersing yourself and just sitting with yourself in those moments um, as you're in, in that bath. Wow, this conversation is making me think about my grandmother who's still living, um, you know, and it's just like I want to call her right now, you know, and talk to her and ask her about her bath taking because I mm-hmm. saw her going, girl, go, go run my water. That's what she would say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, you know, but I mean, I just – this conversation is making me like convicted, you know, it's like Dion, you know, you really should celebrate the life that you have right now, you know, because even though like you were speaking to earlier, you didn't lose your grandmother. It's like a transfer of energy. Yeah. Like I want to enjoy her while she's in this current yes. state. You yes. Know? Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I need to start like, stop saying I'm going to call her yeah. tomorrow and call her now. 
Yeah. Be present minded. The more you can, the more you're going to be grateful that you did. And documenting your conversations yeah. is also very powerful because just in one sense, it's it's also the fact that we as black people don't really have as many um like tangible facts and information about our family history. Exactly. So yeah. oral history is so important and mm-hmm. we need to write that down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, oh, she getting a call, a phone call from me tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's Yes, great. make those phone calls. I often think about um, <laughs> my grandma. <laughs> so I uh, have been teaching journalism at a, a state prison. Um I started teaching last January and I'm teaching again this semester. And so I was telling my grandma about it. And she's like, don't go fall in love with no prisoner. <laughs> just like, speaking truth. <laughs> speaking so, her truth. So out of pocket. But this year, when I, you know, at the start of the semester, I just so badly wanted to call her and tell her that I was back at the prison and hear her say that again. Mm-hmm. But um, because I couldn't, you know, pick up the phone and call her, I just, uh, I just, um, I just wrote it down, you know, kind of like wrote her a little letter because yes. I was definitely missing her. Yes. But, and I have this one voicemail uh, from her that I'm so glad is on my phone because it's just nice to listen to every now and then. Oh. That's beautiful. So... When thinking about, you know, black death and violence and history and especially given like the recent um, Wakanda surge and (laughs) and, like excitement. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think about like questions like like what really defines us as a people, you know, Mm -hmm. like what is our understanding of what defines us as well because mm-hmm. so um many times we when i say we i'm talking about black people in the u.s in particular right now but mm-hmm. so often we can fall into this pattern of um always looking at our oppression and always looking at death or always looking at slavery as what defines us you yeah. know mm, yeah and dion and i have quite a few friends who um are more in touch with like Afro surrealist art and Mm -hmm. they think about, and also Afro futuristic art. And they Mm -hmm. think about like, you know, always existing outside of these like very limited conceptions of like who we are, Yep, you know, like our artwork doesn't have to always show like depressing, you know, traumatizing, traumatizing, like (sighs) tropes, like it doesn't have to. So for you with your work, focusing both on, you know, the loss and on the life, do you find this as something that you have to like constantly work against? Like this notion that we're not always, we're not only defined by death. We're not only defined by struggle and oppression and those sorts of things. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that. I just went to, um, uh, exhibition at the De Young Museum in San Francisco and it was called Revelations. And I think it was primarily the work of artists who had been born, I want to say, around the 1930s, um, maybe like give or take a 10 year span. And it was really fascinating to see what the type of work that they were producing and also that it wasn't like um, 
fitting in in this sort of like very limiting like quote-unquote like black mold you know like black art has to look this way yeah. and has to feel this way you know and so it's just like there was a room just full of um quilts that were beautiful um and just the the story behind just seeing like there was one quilt that was practically all denim but it was like once you know folks had gone had worn through their denim whether it was like working in the field or whatever the job may have been to then take that cloth and quilt it um, or to bring scraps home from a textile factory where they were working in the South and quilt that. And I thought that that was a beautiful preservation of life and of labor um, and of also of community because these women would just sit out on their front porch and just quilt. You know, and then also um, the creativity and the innovation of defying, um, there was one woman quilter in particular who was like, I ain't got no fancy patterns so and no fancy fabric, so this is how my quilts are going to look. Mm -hmm. And like breaking outside of like, oh, quilts must be perfectly symmetric and perfectly geometric and, you know, only have this particular color scheme. And to see all of that was just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and then also seeing there were a number of welders who had, again, out of scrap metal, sc scrap metal and out of what was available to them had made these beautiful structures. And, and some of which were one artist had taken the time to study, um, you know, and try and learn what she could. Because, again, it, it can be really challenging or meticulous trying to, like, sort of retrace your African roots and heritage, but had then crafted pieces that reflected um, that particular aesthetic, uh, a diasporic aesthetic. And I thought that was really fascinating. But overall, the work was not such that, like, you could look at it and be like, oh, this a Black person made that. You know, there is this one piece that was reflective of um, Princess Diana's death. But for some reason, there was like some tie and intersection like with blackness. And I thought that that was really fascinating. But yeah, I think about, I think it's, has it mainly been my father who's been like, well, or, and some other folks have been like, well, you know, can you make things that are less sad? And, <laughs> um, and I think that like, I mean, the answer could always be yes, but I think that, that there's plenty of folks making things that celebrate us. And I think also that the shirts can be in some ways a celebration because again, it's like what, and one of the things that I, I really hope to come to fruition is that like, so I went to this workshop that was a partnership between the Smithsonian and Wikipedia and it's specifically about how do I write Wikipedia articles for women of color. And so the Wikipedia writer community can be anyone, but it's, primarily white and male. Um, and so within that workshop, there was the understanding came up that only certain people, there's only significant because of their death. And so so that's why the majority of the people within the Encounting Collection uh, like don't have their own Wikipedia pages. It's like death of Sandra Bland, wow. death of Trayvon Martin, um, Emmett Till has his own page because at this point he's considered a historical figure as well as Medgar Evers, but very few people outside of those two have their own actual page. Wow. And that just goes into reinforcing the narrative that we as black people are subhuman and I can't mm. stand that. And I don't want that to continue to exist. So one of the things I really want to work to do is create those pages 
for them and celebrate their lives. Yes. You know, make those connections with their family, learn about them, learn about what made them smile, learn about what they were interested in, um, all of those different things. Because again, like it's not just our, their lives did not start and end with the day that they died. Right. Yeah. And I think that like, that is like pushing out of that and pushing against that, like intentionally is worth celebrating. Like let's celebrate, you know, um, when they were born or let's celebrate like milestones in their lives. Like, let's think about how not like, yes, there's a place in a space for mourning. And I think that that's important, but like that can be like, you know, just like sort of walking into a dark tunnel. If you're only going to, to make space for, for grieving or for mourning, like when they are lost versus like celebrating what they contributed while they are here on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think about that, a lot and you know like I've, I've like played around with things but <laughs> you know the I made the braless and flawless shirts last year for women's history month and that was fun and it was special to have a mother she and she dm'd me and she was saying how you know her daughter she bought the tea for her daughter and then um but she also did research and, and just found that like it can be really it can be actually detrimental to wear a bra too much um, because like it limits, I guess like the blood circulation in your lymph nodes and all the, you know, things with, with our, our boobs and things like that. Yeah, girl, so we I don't wear bras over here. <laughs> I, I, don't, tell us. <laughs> I don't have one on. I haven't, I don't like wearing them. <laughs> I don't I own one anymore. actual bra and I haven't put that bad boy on in probably over a year. <laughs> I'm weak with bad boys. <laughs> Sorry. I went away from the perp from the point. I'm just really passionate about no bra. No, I feel it. And so like that was that was fun and, and people seem to like enjoy that or um so like I, I think about those things, but I think that like sometimes it's it's harder to do the work that's hard to like digest. And I think that and I don't know why I'm like drawn to that type of work. Mm-hmm. Um but but yeah, of course it like there's always needs to be space for joy and I think that's also like my understanding of joy is that it really is non-circumstantial. And so like the reality is that like black folks, we are worse off. Like we became more worse off under Obama than in other times, you know, economically speaking. And there has been, um, you know, increasing violence within our communities and, um, police brutality is still very much a thing. And so if you like focus on all the negative, then you might become quite cynical, you know? Um, but then again, like outside of those circumstances, there's still light, you know, there's still joy, there's still, um, some magic, you know, in the air that can be created. And I think that as a people you were asking, like, I think that aside from our trauma, like we, our resilience is unbelievable as well as our creativity and our ingenuity, you know, like we have created things that they don't want us to know that we created. Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't celebrate that we created like the stoplight, you know what I'm saying? Like those things, the super soaker, like we created those. (laughs) And then, um, and then just our fashion. And it also has been like girl hair. Hello. It's just been so great. I think to see a reemergence of this curiosity, of black born or black American born people to want to connect back to Africa. And I think that that like just a showing at um, Afropunk in Johannesburg was just 
incredible. And I think that even like, you know, folks like Yvonne Orji and Joshua Kissy, um, just being so proud of their roots. And they have, you know, of course, like closer connections than, than someone like myself does. But like seeing that energy and that excitement, I think that's also what like Wakanda helped make more visible and more real mm-hmm. is that like there is there are connections to be made and there's culture to gain. Like rather than focusing on what we've lost, there's so much to gain. And that could be from opening a book. That could be from going, traveling to the motherland. That could be from having a conversation who, with a friend whose parents just, you know, they just came from, from Africa or wherever. Like there's so much to gain from us as a people across the world that I think is incredibly exciting. And that's something, and even just like, like you said, like hair is an experimentation of like, what does it feel to have? Like, how does it shift um, your understanding of self by just choosing a different hairstyle, right? And like, and and, and, and one of the things I thought about too is just like joy in the little things. Like I was just uh, with my homegirl last week and I was like, can you just like put two, you know, hook me up with like two French braids? And she was like, okay. And I was sitting there and I was like, girl, I said, white women will never know what this feels like (laughs) (laughs) to just sit there and have your hair braided. Like that is community. That is sisterhood, right? That is ritual. That is ritual. Um, And that's beautiful. And that to me, like that, that brings a smile to my face. It's just like, oh, like completely just feeling transformed by the shifting and changing of hair. You know, like that, that's one of the things that I, I find joy in as well. Yes. You just spoke to so much. First of all, I love how, girl, I just loved everything. Um, but um, there, there is a place for everything. Like you, you t- was it your dad who said, um, "Can you make something less sad?" Was it your dad? He said more happy. Like, oh, why don't you make something more like more positive? Right. And then you spoke to like you were saying that there are like spaces and like people who are creating work um, that do that, but. Like, I mean, I love that you're continuously doing what you're doing. And then every now and then, you know, you branch out and you did the little bra shirt or whatever. But I think it's important to stick to the mission that you originally had, you know, and value the fact that, like, what you're doing is important just as the people who are, you know, highlighting joy and all of those things. All of these things are necessary. Um, So I love that. And, oh, my God, I just had a brain fart. It was something else you said that I really enjoyed. Um, I'm always having a brain fart. <laughs> it was so much. Um, you know what? I'm gonna come back. My, I'm gonna come back to it. But I do okay. want to talk about. Um, so, of course, dealing with all the things you're dealing with. Like, what is your emotional state like during like the process of making the shirts? Like, what does that yeah. feel like? I haven't, so like I have, I haven't added, so we've, we've kind of took a break and took a step back in August and decided not to sell things. Cause I think that also like when you make things, you don't realize that there's this like taking from you that's very draining. Mm. Um, and so I was like, I've been making and giving and creating and producing and also bearing a lot of weight for like more than three years. And I hadn't really, one, realized that I needed to replenish <laughs> and also like recover. And so like, and, and, and kind of realized after a while, I was like, I'm depleted. <laughs> I don't have much else to give, you know? Girl, that's real. Um, girl. 
and that was like crazy. So I've kind of like been like slowly sifting through all that and like realizing, oh, like I've all, like it's almost kind of crazy to be like, wow, I think I may have been traumatized like by my own work. Wow. Um, and like by my own undertaking. And I, what I like, <laughs> what I realized in a conversation with, with uh, some friends of mine is that like someone said, the definition of passion is literally to suffer. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like when wow. you, but it makes sense when you think about the passion of Christ, like he literally suffered, like oh Christ suffered wow. for us. Yeah. And so like passion is not like sparkly. <laughs> um, it's not. And I was like, wow, like I have a passion for like uplifting um, our people and also like making sure that we are not forgotten. Um, but like that is that there's some suffering that comes along with that, you know? Um, and so I was like, Ooh, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> and now, um, you know, seeing with, with Stefan's, Stefan Clark's uh, murder. And then there was Charlena Lyles over the summer, um, pregnant mother who was murdered. And then with the non-indictment, um, of the officer who killed Alton Sterling, like all of these officers who have been getting off and the countless names, like, you know, Stefan Clark is not the first black man to be killed in 2018. Um, and so there's like many more names that need to be added. And I think I'm approaching a space where I'm, I'm, I'm perhaps comfortable and like getting close to being one, wanting to do that again mm-hmm. because for a while I couldn't and I really didn't want to yeah. because on the, the list with the men, it's already at length. It's already at, at the hem of the t-shirt at the bottom. And, you know, we had printed, uh, I think it was 2016, we had done Alton and Philando on the back of a tank top. But it was like I had never, you know, in 2014, just with six names, had thought that that it would reach the back that the list would reach the back you know oh my goodness and that 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 i would i would have to be in that position to decide whether or not that um could happen you know or would happen on the space on that shirt and like that's kind of crazy um but i think like i had talked about it i guess like that summer of 2016 was like especially with alton philando was like I was on the edge. It was like being on the edge of very deep and dark waters that I had swam before and that I know how to swim in. But what the question is, am I willing to take the plunge? Because for me, this work is very much, very much like immersive. And I have to have like the capacity, like even in like the breathing process, right? Like if you're swimming, like you have to be able to know how to swim and like breathe properly while you're swimming um, because you can't always, in some instances, like always like come up for air right away. Mm-hmm. And so like, was I willing to, am I willing to take the plunge again? And like, you can, cause I can't just stick a toe in the water. Like it, no, it doesn't, uh, it requires much more than that, like that immersion. And, and so I think I'm getting to the place where I'm like ready to do that again for some time. But what I've learned is that like breaks are not only okay, but they're necessary. Um, because I don't want to get to a space where I'm like feeling the way that I was feeling without knowing that, you know, like yes. it's, it's kind of crazy to be like, whoa, like where it becomes normal. 
Yeah, and like you, you become like not even desensitized, but just like to be unaware of the fact that you are suffering is yes. wild. Yes, is why I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know for so long, and then you know a few things came to a head, and I was like, I have to pump the brakes, otherwise I'm going to like my brakes are going to give out, and I I'm I'm going to like go you know careening off a cliff somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah, so but I think that like. It's it's been challenging because I I I like I don't I have a hard time watching videos I've never I haven't watched the just like the almost like instant vis- visibility of the blood with Philando and his body in the car like that I I've, I've never watched that whole video um, there's a lot of things that I I have sort of stepped away from because it is traumatic and I, so I'm I'm trying to thinking I've been thinking about like how can I and not even just like consume information because I think like I think my brain is like consume and then it thinks devour and I, and I don't want our lives and our trauma to be devoured in a way that like we're not here to, to be feasted upon you right. know um, and so I'm like okay I've been keeping tabs on what's been going on with Stefan Clark um, and I'm like okay I haven't been like but that was like a gradual process as well you know I didn't just dive into the the hashtag on Twitter the day that it started trending, I had to see, I had to ask myself, okay, like, are you ready to do this now? Or can we set aside aside some space to, to digest this, right? To process it versus just throwing myself into it because that, that I, I have, has realized has become harmful yeah. if I'm just constantly um, consuming these things without understanding, like, you know, in this, like, sort of like metaphorically speaking, like you are what you eat. And so if you're constantly consuming trauma, then that trauma will cause harm to yourself, to your psyche, to your body, you know, um, all of these things. And so it's just like, how can I better um, process these things within my life in a way that I can also um, perhaps create things that will that will help us to continue to honor these lives that have been lost? Randy, seriously, like. You just spoke so much to mindfulness around the ways that we engage with so much that I, I personally don't want myself or any of my people to turn ourselves off to, you know what I mean? Because there is that extreme, right? Where you can be like, it's too much. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just pretend like it doesn't happen or doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And continue to live in the world and just try and slide off all these microaggressions that happen to me all the yeah. time and maybe even deny what my partner has experienced and he's telling mm-hmm. me about it. I want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to engage. And that's harmful too, because that's like numbing and that's like just straight up denial yep. <laughs> yeah. about very real violence and traumas. Um, so you spoke so like beautifully and importantly about also just what it means to be someone leading a necessary platform for a marginalized community and still taking the time to take a break and like feed yourself and analyze and assess your relationship to the work. Cause who knows what would have happened to you or to your platform had you been like, you know what, it doesn't matter that I'm also suffering right now. Like I'm gonna keep on doing it mm-hmm. because XYZ, we can all create lists for why we need to continue to do our work. I do I it do all the time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and Dion and I also kind of experienced, um, probably around the same time that you did, this necessary need for a pause to just examine so much of what we were doing and mm-hmm. to get out of just the cycle of doing and yep. just yeah. take time to just be and to, to reflect. So 
I think maybe we'll close with um, something that you could offer our community who wants to be engaged, who mm-hmm. wants to be activists in a variety of ways, who wants to be able to like speak up and empower other people to just pay attention and, yeah. you know, in one way or another, still make meaningful and necessary change in the world. Like what could everybody do? One of the things just stepping back really quick that I, that I thought about because of what you said is that like, it's so important to take those breaks and to be mindful because like, I think that like for myself and for you and for Dion and, and every human that is, is, is doing work that is taxing, that is draining and all of these things, like it's dangerous to get to a point where you feel like I don't want to do this anymore because I believe that we're meant to do this work, right? Like yes. you were meant to do what you are doing. You all were meant to create space for women of color, for black women to feel welcome, to feel comfortable. Like yeah. I too was a black woman who did not enjoy yoga primarily because I didn't feel welcome, you know, yeah. like that. And, and yoga is such, it does wonders for the mind the bo- and the body. And like thinking back to, you know, whenever it was that was my first yoga class and being like, I don't, I could be down with this, but there's, I don't feel comfortable. Right. And like, so you are, you all are meant to be doing the work that you were doing. Um, like Toni Morrison, Bell Hooks, they were meant to be writing what they were writing. Yes. Nina, Nina was meant to be singing what she was singing, you know, but there are so many examples of when, we become so immersed in that work and don't take the break that we can, we ourselves can become broken. Right. And so I think that like taking those breaks is so, and realizing that it's okay and that it's, that it doesn't mean that we're any less like that, you know, that we're any less of a, of a force. Right. Because like in thinking about, I don't know who it was, but I heard it somewhere saying that like your productivity shouldn't be a measure of your worth. Yes. And like being like, yes, I haven't printed a single t-shirt since August. And like, that's okay. Like, yes. I'm still a great human being. I still have value to bring yes, into the world. Girl. And like, yes. and I still deserve to be celebrated. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like, you know, waking up is a celebration. <laughs> if you ask me in this world, you know, Randy. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> you're just speaking to so much that we're all like, about. And then getting, we're going to be doing more event-wise this year. So I'm just yeah, so like, excited. <laughs> getting through so February cute. 8th for me was a celebration because, and I wrote about it on Medium, like I wasn't, last February, I may not, you know, I could have not been here this year. Feel me? Like I could, truly. And like getting through days where you forgive yourself, that is worth celebrating. Like yes. it is worth celebrating. And so um, what can you do to engage in this 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 world that we live in, <laughs> this world that we've inherited. Um, I think that like if there's something that is bugging you, um, write about it, talk about it. Like if there's, yep. and I, and I think that comes back to like healing. Is that like I I I think what I've been doing a lot recently is laying things down. Like there are things in our lives that are um, weighty, and there are things that are heavy. Right. Mm. So the things that are heavy, you can put those down. Um, the things that bear weight, um, you may have to carry those with you, but the things that are heavy, put it down. You know, if there's someone, some relationship that needs to be reconciled or some conversation that needs to be had, like if you are in school, 
um, or you are at work and you feel like you have a boss or a superior or a professor who has not been respecting you or has been, you know, um, challenging you or unkind in some way, have that conversation because carrying too much like heaviness and weight can become burdensome. Yeah. And that's that will bog you down, you know, and, and we don't want to get stuck. We don't want to feel like we're under a rock. Right. And so like having those conversations or like speaking out as much as like, you know, I know it can be scary sometimes, but like people will, uh, not even like people will applaud you for your bravery, which is kind of like a byproduct of that. But like you will feel lighter um, by saying what needs to be said, you know, like the folks that have been saying I'm here for these Parkland teens, but like also what about the, the black kids that have been like, hi, hello, hi, we're suffering over here. Like, there's just as much violence here. Where was the support? Where were you? You know, where were these celebrity dollars and all of these things behind it? Like, there are ways that I think that, I think that especially now, even still with like, we saw with Black Lives Matter, it felt like a movement, right? It felt more than like just a moment or a series of moments. It felt like a movement and then, 2018 feels very different than 2014 did and then that then 2015 sure did does. and so like in your everyday life like mm-hmm. how can you so much of like the root word of activism is just being active you know how can you actively engage in, in your life um in a way that helps yourself feel lighter you know because i think that when you allow yourself to heal and when you create space and you put heavy things down then you can move you start moving differently and you feel differently and there's more space for love. And so like that's something that we can all like those are like individual questions and pursuits that we can like figure out. And I think that like when that happens, then we can start collectively then coming together and working together and growing and building, you know. Um, but when there's so much brokenness, it, it, it begins to feel like fragmented, you know, and you don't want to be fragmented in your own existence. So I think like like there's not necessarily... I can't honestly be like, you know, let's go do this or let's go do that. Like, you know, everyone's day-to-day is different. Everyone's struggles are different. Everyone's like, you know, cause that they want to champion is different. And it's okay if you honestly be like, I don't know that I have something to champion right now. Like, I don't know if I want to like go, you know, picketing or, or, or like, I don't know if I want to donate money. Or like, whatever it is, like, that's okay. But like, I think that like every day, activism in the same way that like on any given day you can choose to like I can choose to wear one of my shirts and and live my experience with those names and those lives on my chest for that particular day but I can't do that every day and that's okay Mm -hmm. so like realizing that like you know how can I be active in some way that is loving that is affirming and that is also like um um freeing you know free yourself freeing yourself of, of weight that you felt thank you so much Randy yeah. This whole conversation um, was, I feel like, what we needed mm-hmm. and also unexpected. Like, there were certain things that came up that were unexpected. Mm-hmm. That but definitely resonated with me. Yes. Ooh, that blew my mind, actually. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> especially about the passion being suffering. I was like, okay, that yes. just took everything to a whole new level. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So thank you for allowing these awakenings. When my friend said that, I was like, that took me down. Girl, let me you, girl. <laughs> but I'm on the floor. Uh, we're just so excited and grateful for all the work that you have done and all the work that you continue to do, yeah. even in its, 
you know, the aspects of it that that are really dark and hard. Mm-hmm. We need that, mm-hmm. just as you were saying. Like there's this there's this balance. Exactly. You know, there can be joy despite circumstances. So, um, is there anything coming up that you'd like to share with our community? Um, there's a. I had the opportunity um, to work with Now This on a video. They have these pieces that are called op-eds. Um, and so I was just able to speak about the work that I've been able to do with Lost Rags. Um, and shout out to the ancestors and the importance of like some of the things we touched on, like of doing this work. Um, and then also um, I was able to share um, a TED Talk and back in October in D.C. And I spoke about empathy. Um, and I spoke about uh, something that has happened in my life that was truly unexpected and um, that has required healing. And I haven't talked about it to the world yet, but when that comes out, um, and I hope that I hope that this this thing will maybe lead to my first book. I know it's super mysterious, but um, be on the lookout for that TED Talk, and I'll absolutely share that with with the world and the interwebs when it comes out. But those are two things, one that you can watch now and one that you can hopefully, hopefully within the next month or so um, watch and and talk about too. Um, I think that like, just like coming together in spaces where, you know, there's no uh, like judgment or there's no like requirements to like who can have this conversation. Yeah. So yeah, those, those are two things. And I think, I think I honestly just, maybe in a couple of weeks might bring bring back the shop just for just for a time. And so it would uh mean the world to me if if folks were willing to support. And also it's um it's like a responsibility it's I it's like sharing in the weight too. I think that every time that in the past when someone um has purchased something from us, it's been I appreciate that. I, I don't say it's like thank you for buying from us. It's like, thank you for supporting us because you're also sharing in our collective weight, you know? Um, And so I really appreciate that. So yes, ladies, thank y'all. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Well, let's continue to support each other and we'll talk with you soon. Alrighty. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hey guys, to stay in touch, be sure to join our email list at blackgirlandgnome.com. Follow us on Instagram, say hello to us on Twitter, and like us on Facebook at Black Girl and Gnome. There are so many great stories that people of color, women, and queer folks want to tell, but don't have a place to share them. Post Loudness, our podcast collective, wants to create a community of unique voices and audio. Love to James T. Green, Cher Vincent, and Alex Cox for creating Post Loudness and letting us be a part of it. Special love also to Aline Kaze, our audio engineer, to Khalid B. and Peter Espenson for the music you hear throughout the show. And thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to breathe easy. Breathe easy.